This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, they've not given up the ghost. No, boy, I'm just saying, but the quality is just... Robert Hunt with a quick throw in. Sykes lost his man momentarily. It's an opportunity for Swindon to pull the trigger. Bodies flying and oh. that is touched in by Broadbent. Swindon players mob him. Hands were flying, bodies were flying. Deflected shot goes past Eastwood. Oxford can't keep a clean sheet. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Swindon Town against Harrogate but a year since Broadbent did his thing and we celebrate on this pod uh, what feels like a long long time ago joining me first of all it's Connor hello Connor how are you this this fine evening of the feast of Sir Tom Broadbent I'm 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 well I hope you're well too Rich yeah I feasted very well indeed roast dinner all the things that I think Tom Broadbent would want (laughs) on his day yeah, that's the that's the textbook way to do it. And honestly, watching back those goals, it's amazing because it's like a, a small little mirage in a season that was so awful. But it, at least we have that uh, from last year to really uh, really remember fondly. And uh, yeah, this time a year ago, I was absolutely buzzing, probably editing the podcast, trying to get out um, so that everyone could listen um, in their <laughs> evening celebrations. And the world's a very different place. Um, but yeah, it, it was. A, it's, a, it's a fond memory, even even though last year wasn't so great. It's been a year, so I feel confident 
to say this without offending, I think there were maybe a few too many laughs from the gorillas tra- track at the at the start of that episode. Well, the knives are out now, aren't they? <laughs> I've been sitting on that for a year. <laughs> I, I don't think there were enough, to be honest. Um, so um, if we beat them again, uh, especially with Senna um, uh, <laughs> going up front, <laughs> then uh, I reserve the right to just release a whole pod uh, full of uh, laughter from uh, Phil Gooding. Fair enough. Okay, well, we'll bring our second guest in. What an enthusiastic episode this is, because we've got Dan. Hello, Dan. Evening all. How are we doing? That's not as enthusiastic as I built it up to be. <laughs> Feeling a bit groggy today. We had a cricket club bash, and my voice is also suffering from shouting down the boo boys at the curtain ground yesterday. Um, oh boy. So yeah. <laughs> but no, it's... um. It's my dad's birthday today, and it is the one-year anniversary of um, Tom Broadbent's Finest Hour. Um, and yeah, heck of a lot of water has passed under the bridge in the last year. Crikey. Imagine having a birthday on the feast of Sir Tom Broadbent. Good, eh? <laughs> oh, wow. It feels like much longer than a year ago, I have yep. to say. <laughs> oh, what a what a moment. Um, an oasis. A mirage, as Connor mentioned. Um, but that was a year ago. Today, this weekend, was all about a first a first ever fixture against Harrogate Town. Before we get into the game, Dan, how's how's the how was the entry into the ground? Was it okay? Yes, no problems from what I saw, and I've not heard or seen any moaning. So yeah, the card's actually scanned. I got a green tick. Ooh. Felt like validation. Um yeah, so Congratulations, Robin team. <laughs> Whatever you've done seems to have worked. Let's hope it carries on working. Oh, it felt so good getting that green tick. Because, I mean, I've not had one all season on my season ticket card. Like, I don't know if, uh, like, I've been doing something wrong um, or if I was just issued a ticket and I've actually been breaking and entering into the ground all season. So it's good to find out that it actually does work. Uh, and, yeah, I had no cures. It was um, a true delight um, and long may that continue. Almost as if the uh, the ticketing service recognises cold weather and <laughs> just will not have people queuing up outside. <laughs> just get them in for goodness' sake. Can't can't deal with that. It's been a bit of a weird weekend, really. I, I don't know. You know, it feels. I think Tyrese Simpson said this in 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 a tweet. It, it feels like a loss this weekend, and it kind of does. It, it wasn't even a negative. But it all started with that sort of like a mini fan division within social media with the launch of the the third kit. Connor, what do you think? I'm not that much of a fan. And to be honest, the main thing about it is that I don't really like the blackout kits. Like obviously I think um I've seen some from like AIK, AIK, I think they were the first one to do it in Sweden. And then there's been like the Dortmund ones and the Liverpool ones. And I've always looked at them and just think they're a bit naff, aren't they? Uh, so I was thinking about getting myself one of the third kits or maybe uh, gifting that to um, Swindon supporting relatives for Christmas. And then I saw it and I was just like, yeah, I, I don't want to be wearing that personally. But I can see why if you like that kind of design, why you'd like it. So for me, it's not that important. What I did like was the build up and uh, the promo they did for it. Um, that video really nicely edited together and uh, and displayed. So um Eventually, hopefully, we'll have that kind of treatment and it'll be a kit that I do really want to buy and really get excited about. But um, yeah, not for me. Dan? It's a black kit um, and it gives Swindon something to sell over Christmas. And hopefully they've ordered thousands of the things because um, you obviously owe to the bespoke nature of the, the home and away kits. Um, I gather there won't be any more of them knocking around. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, keep it in good condition, guys. And then, as Rich has said previously, it'll be like currency in five years. You'll Absolutely, be able to, uh, will be. Cash that baby in. But no, um, agree with Connor. The the promo was good. It was nice to see a bit of a bit of build up, even if there was a a few leaks. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. Um, yes, a very, a very well polished promo. Um, if only they could uh, sort out the graphics in their in their lineups to reflect Ooh. that. <laughs> oh, come on, Connor! It's not the greatest, is it? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if the uh, non-alignment of all the text is intentional or not, but um, yeah, if they if they're trying to give a disorganised look to the team, then uh, it definitely translated onto the pitch, didn't it? On Tuesday, on on Tuesday, on Saturday, there's our segue into the game. Um, look at that. Yeah, I'll take the uh, the bonus now, Rich. Well, and it's on its way. Well, within that disjointed. <laughs> Eleven was Jojo Wallacott in goal at the back. Akin Odomeo. Dion Conroy getting his 100th senior appearance for Swindon and Wee. Rob Hunt. Uh, just in front was Iandolo, Kessler Hayden and Reed Payne and Gladwin in midfield with Williams just behind Tyree Simpson. So, Dan, a change of formation. Why do you think that was? I think it was to account for the weather. Um, I, I've done some personal reflecting on this. Um, I think they removed McCurdy, put Williams in there. They wanted the extra out-and-out footballer because, well, as it happened, it was the first half we were going into the wind. Um, and I think they were just trying to keep the ball out of the sky, keep it on the floor and play their way up the pitch. But credit to Harrogate. They um, they set up really well to counter that, I thought. They um, pushed really high. Lots of bodies in and around Swindon's uh, sort of back half of the team. Um, they let Wallacott have the ball. It sort of reminded me of like, Wes Fodringham under Mark Cooper. He used to regularly sort of get get to the halfway line because teams were just desperate for him to kick it rather than, you know, let one of the like the talented ball player midfielders carry it out, you know, Stevens or um Thompson, Lesso, Rossi Branco. But um yeah, it's um a, a new role for Wallacott, the uh playmaking sweeper keeper. Yeah, Connor, this was the first week where when I've done my sort of prep for this episode where I saw a few comments suggest that Jojo didn't look comfortable first time I've seen that this season would you agree with that um it, it's hard to tell isn't it I mean I think he was having to come a little bit further out to distribute the ball like Dan Highland highlighted um there were just so many times where there weren't really options for him to pass too short um and I, I don't think he really wants to kick long um he's obviously being told not to um, and his kicking sort of down the pitch was not very good um, on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, it, it probably in terms of distribution wasn't his best performance. But then I think you have to kind of wheel back to looking at what Harrogate have done. and What they have kind of turned up with is I think is like what should be, if you're an away team, the blueprint of how you play us. Like a lot of the teams that have given us sort of genuine trouble at home this season. Um, where you know I've been watching it and fearing that we're not going to pick anything up, um, have pressed really high, have put us under pressure because yeah, if, if if we can't get the ball into our creative midfielders, then we can't really hurt them at the back. Um, so it was frustrating because it, it felt like we were kind of a little bit penned in um, and um, weren't able to get the ball up the other end and get people close enough to Simpson that uh, we were able to create anything ourselves. It just felt like things were going wrong. 
uh, in between. And um, yeah, they were they were set up. They're very organised. Um, I think they've got some good players in that team as well. Um, and yeah, you can see why they are the third best team away from home in League Two uh, because you know they they kind of really sort of pinpointed our strengths and our weaknesses and played accordingly. I've I've mentioned it in recent episodes, especially on the, off the back of the performance against Newport, which was fine, but it wasn't it wasn't Swindon cooking on off, on gas and the Hartlepool performance convincing win in the end but we weren't great it just felt like we were cruising for a bruising was this similar to the performances previously or were we at sort of a different level of under par this week um well it's it's really hard to make a judgment because the weather was such a variable this week um it would have been interesting and we'll never know but it had the half spin the other way around with Swindon being such a quiet first half team if we'd have had the wind first half, we'd have had to go for it. Um, anticipating, obviously, Harrogate having the majority of the, the second half. But yeah, as it played out, it kind of suited us because, the, you know, getting in at only 1-0 down, as we'll talk about, you know, was a bit of a blessing. Um, and we knew we had the wind second half. But yeah, first half, we made the change. Williams... Um, sort of in behind Simpson, tried to go with the extra footballer. Gladwin didn't have a good game, picked up a knock first half as well, which seemed to be hampering him slightly. Um, whatever we tried to do, it didn't work. We did, we couldn't get the ball up the pitch on the floor. Um, Harrogate counted it really well. Um, and yeah, that, a bit like Connor said, it's kind of like the blueprint of how to play Swindon at home. But um, yeah, I mean... Game of two halves, albeit the first half was sort of 55, 60 minutes long, um, where Swindon were pretty pretty horrid. And uh, that, that, that last half hour, Swindon did a, a heck of a lot right and had a lot of pressure. That's not to say that the back door was completely locked shut. Um, still a few errant passes, even from Louis Reed. So it must have been blustery. Um, nearly let Harrogate in for the smash and grab kind of second goal. But... Um, no, I mean, we'll come on to the second half anyway, but Swindon used the wind much more smartly. Connor, do you agree regarding the weather being the big game changer this weekend? It's hard to say. I mean, I definitely, like uh, like Dan said, it's a big variable. Um, I don't know if it's the game changer as such in the sense that I think there are, there are elements of like continuity from the performance in the first half and what we saw against Hartlepool on Tuesday and what we saw against Newport. Um, and it's a different team coming at us with a different plan um, and, and asking different questions. So like Hartlepool in the first half on Tuesday when the, the weather wasn't quite so inclement, um, weren't really pressing high at all. They were really leaving the centre-halves to just sort of do what they want. Um, whereas Harrogate were were pushing us and were making it difficult to play out. Um, so that all of a sudden creates a very different kind of game. And then if you play it in the same way, then then, then things might end up differently but where the weather is then a variable is you know in the goal um it, it makes that kind of situation harder to defend um and um obviously there's probably no kind of coincidence that the, the team with the wind were the stronger team over over the course of each half but um i think we've seen that first half performance from swindon a couple of times this season without the wind as well i mean even like Mansfield, uh, like obviously they're one of the only two home games that we've won this season. 
But I remember them pushing up so high in the first half um, and just tiring towards the end of the game, but um, like genuinely being a lot better than, for example, um, Carlisle or Rochdale or Colchester are teams that we haven't been able to beat. So, um, yeah, it's it's there's elements to which like that's how we've been playing recently, and there's elements to which it is the weather. I think so. Hard to judge, really. It was almost a, quite a memorable moment for Dion Conroy on his 100th appearance. Um, he really wanted to score. Probably best that he got saved on this one, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it was um, a bit of a catalogue of errors. Um, but you also see in this incident where Conroy manages to dink it past Wallacott, um, the sort of swirling nature of the wind at times as well. Because, you know, if it followed the pattern of the half, that ball should have skipped on beautifully towards Wallacott. But it actually held up, which caught Conroy with his pants down slightly. Um, and thankfully, Rob Hunt was very alert, managed to get it away off off the line. It must have been half the ball over the line. It must have been close. Um, and I, I know you want to talk about VAR later, Rich. Um, but yeah, perhaps a, a baby step might be goal line technology in the Football League as a start for 10. Yeah, I mean, that must have been very close to going over the line. And it would have been a very sad way to mark Conroy's 100th appearance. Um, how many seasons? Is that? is that five, six seasons? Six, seven was his first. Yeah. He joined halfway through, didn't he? In seventeen. So, yeah, so. it's been um, yeah, it's been a hard slog for Dion. But um, fingers crossed, touch wood and all that. He's um, yeah, he's fit and strong. Going to play every week. Well, Dan, sticking with you. Talk me through the goal we conceded. It was described by Connor as a poor goal to concede at the time. Um, walk me through it. Yeah, I'd agree with Connor there. It's um, a long kick out from the goalkeeper. Uh, a missed header from Rob Hunt. Um, and again, coming back to the weather, I'm going to be a bit of a weather board today. But <laughs> you know, it is hard to judge the trajectory of um, long balls when the wind is swirling around. Um, so yeah, the, the Hunt missed header, I think, caught Kessler Hayden napping. Because um, he he just didn't have the wing mirrors up, he, he just missed Diamond um, Ghost round the back of him and um, slot beautifully under Jojo Wallacott. He didn't do a lot wrong. He was pretty quick off his line, and it just sort of went under his legs with the the tiny toe poke. But yeah, certainly it's sort of a reflection uh, this Harrogate game of Kessler Hayden spell at Swindon. He's very very involved. Forward, as a forward player, gets fouled a lot. Like he, he took took some bullets out there. <laughs> he was smashed, and he ended up limping off. I don't blame him. He did well to get to ninety minutes. But yeah, you also see some of the defensive frailties. There was the home game against Colchester, where I think Freddie Sears um, sort of snuck in uh, around the back of him, and, and the goal was disallowed for God knows what. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what he's here for, right? He's young, he's got to learn the defensive side of the game as well as the attacking side of the game, which he's so so adept at. But um, yeah, he, he didn't have a great half. I think um, him and Andalo's starting positions were much more like a full-back than a, a wing-back in the first half where we were pinned in. And um, yeah, it's, it's not one that Kessler Hayden want, want to see again, unfortunately. All this weather talk, I'm beginning to think crowded house were full of sh- <laughs> One for the teenagers, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> Connor, so the observation really after 1-0, going 1-0 down, was that the atmosphere 
within the county grounds changed. We could blame the weather, perhaps. It was very cold. But talk me through it, because it's something this weekend that, you know, you've you've discussed a lot on social media. Um, (laughs) What happened? Uh, I mean, I think it's something that's not that different to um, in the last couple of seasons in terms of um, I remember like having been very frustrated um, at some of the moans and groans towards the end of the Wellens title win season a couple of years ago, um, where like there was a game where we were one nil up against Scunthorpe, but just weren't playing the champagne football that people wanted, and uh, that's caused to start getting on the players' backs. And um, we've had it a couple of times um, this season, but I think generally the crowd have been really up for it and kind of drowned them out a little bit. Um, in, in in terms of like the the home support actually being quite vocal, and potentially the problem um, on Saturday was you know it's not the kind of weather you really want to sing in because you're just feeling a bit miserable and cold and yeah I can't remember being that cold at football for a long long time um, but so so you could hear these kind of negative voices and and in fairness there was a lot to be negative about in the sense that we weren't playing that well. Um, but I, I find it really frustrating because this team have given us a lot to celebrate so far this season. They should have a lot of credit in the bank that like we've come from behind a number of times um, and um, we've closed out games really strongly, got points where we should have lost, um, one where we should have drawn or even lost. Um, you know, maybe that's more away from home than at home. But even at home, like most of the games that I've been to, even if we've not won, we've really given it a go towards the end and uh nearly come out with something um, from the game. Um, so for me, like even if you're not 100% on board with the way that the football is or think that certain players need to up their game a little bit, like there is like more than enough credit in the bank with this team um, that you should be able to kind of accept uh, that, you know, okay, things aren't going well now, but let's just wait out and see what happens kind of thing. And like... Like ultimately, our form really couldn't be much better in the last month or so. Like, we we won away at Newport. We won um, on Tuesday at, um, against Hartlepool. Um, earlier in the month, um, we obviously won the the Papa John's Pizza Trophy. Uh, won at, we won at Oldham. Uh, we we've won so in, in so many of the most recent games and have gone sort of unbeaten for a few games in a row. That. It's kind of entitled to expect us to to like play teams off the park every game and not ever be behind or be drawing. If you get what I mean? Yeah, we, we've lost three games in Ben Garner's twenty three. You know that is your credit right there, isn't it? Yeah, and like and in the games that we've lost, I mean, obviously there's there's the Bradford one, which I think was a bit of an aberration. I left that feeling pretty negative, pretty down um, about that. I think he just got that one tactically wrong in what he's trying to do, but. Um, the other games like Carlisle were really giving it a go towards the end, um, and what was the what was the other one? I, I'm starting to struggle to remember some of the games now. They're all all coming so thick and fast. But it, it's like every game, I, I leave the ground ground thinking, oh, we could have scored a few more than we did, and it's the same uh, yesterday. But you just hear all of these voices, and it it makes the ground a negative place to be I find I don't know if you guys would agree um, but like when people are going to forward I mean yeah forward's a meme at this point and I don't necessarily think it's wrong to want the team to play the ball forward we all want it to get 
towards their box. Uh, but it's just other stuff. Like people are really laying into Gladwin around me. People laying into Simpson around me. Two players that I think are having good seasons for us, even if yesterday's game wasn't their best. Um, there was a lot of just like sort it out, sort out Ghana. And yeah, for me, like when th- there's one person saying that, then obviously that's fine. People are allowed to have their opinion. But once you end up having five or six people in each block in, in the ground kind of doing that, it ends up just sort of annoying everyone. And I was just thought I was wound up. Um, so, so I kind of put stuff on, on social media about it. Um, but I think we've seen in a lot of the games so far, away from home and at home, that the, the team feed off of the crowd. Um, and usually that's been in a positive sense in that we create such a good atmosphere away from home that um, the team have like really been able to close our games on the back of sort of the, the support. But it does work both ways. That If, you, if you're going to be nervy and negative, then it's not going to inspire them to play better, I don't think. And I, to be honest, I don't know. Like you, you can look at it and say, look, look, I'm a paying customer. I can say what I want. I just completely disagree with that because firstly, like, you're not a paying customer. You're going there as a supporter. You, sh- you should support your team. And being negative in the in the ground that isn't supporting your team. You can have a chat and say this isn't going right. Like we're on the podcast now, and I've said there are a number of things that went wrong, and I wasn't that happy during the game. Um, but like, yeah, I I wouldn't like try and do things that make the atmosphere worse, make people around me enjoy the game less, um, and probably make it less likely that the team do get back into it. So yeah, it's one of those things realistically we we like it is always just going to happen no one's going to stop doing that kind of thing but it really really annoys me and when you see 41 fans from Harrogate saying your support is what uh away fans often say about the home support like you know usually you think oh, that's just like the pantomime thing but they were genuinely right in the first half um like the, the it was pitiful like the amount of people getting on the team's back when there is no good reason to do it yeah um, the third game was Port Vale, I think, wasn't it? And they did a very good job on Swindon. We we really did get got. Dan, what's your stance on this? So, um, so well done, Connor, because I, I know you're angrier than that. And that came across <laughs> quite coherent and level-headed. So well done. Livid. Um, so booing, right, is fine. It's free country. Do what you want. Pay your money. Use your voice. However, it's about context. No, if you'd if if you'd have let me in a stadium last year, I would have loved to have given power Sheridan Wright, the current family allegedly um, a lot of booing and abuse and stick because that would have made me feel a lot better. And to Connor's point, they had no credit in the bank. That management team, that owner, you know, poor set of players who. As you've heard, you know, Sheridan was basically absent despite being manager. But um, anyway, so you, I would have been booing last year and that would have made me feel a bit better. But right now, with a team in third place before kickoff, only lost the three games in 23, like you say. It's a group of players that are clearly trying to overcome this sort of home, you know, hoodoo. And we got the win on Tuesday and, you know... Also, just use your eyes, people, right? It was clearly Harrogate had the wind first half. We were pinned in. We were always going to have the wind second half. That half was about getting to halftime at nil-nil. And then worst case, just get in at one-nil. Because the game then is on the second half. So 
what purpose was the booing um, on Saturday against Harrogate? Or, like, does it make players play better? No. Do we like this set of players? Yes. Support the team. Get behind them. You've got 8,000 people there. Let's use them as a positive force. The other thing that really irks me this season, back end of the Wellens reign, the left-hand side of the Don Rogers, there was some really good noise up there uh, and good back and forth for the talent. And that seems to have just died off a bit. I don't know, I don't know if people have moved seats or there's new people up there, you know, new season ticket holders have bought up there. But, you know, I'm trying my best up there to get some noise going and a few of the usual suspects are, are joining in. But we just need, yeah, a bit more noise, please. Even the town end, I think, has been quiet this year, comparatively. Yeah, there is definitely... The the vibe within the fan base was a lot more buoyant at home during the Wellens promotion season, wasn't it? There, there was definitely well, it helps when this, you win a lot. Yeah, of course, but there was definitely more of a unity. And I think you know the narrative with Doyle and and Yates, you know, is, is there's I think there was a bit more connection with the players and the fans that year. The the players, the current crop, clearly like each other and they get on swimmingly. I don't think there's the connection with the fans is as much as it was a couple of seasons back. I might be wrong on that, but there's something that isn't quite, isn't quite there at the moment in the stands. And it's probably as plain and simple as what you've just mentioned is that we're not winning enough. Yeah, definitely part of it. I mean, I think as well, like honestly, if I was a player and like there's loads of people just shouting to get forward and giving me personal abuse um, while I'm playing, I'm probably not going to be as bothered. Whereas when it's away and I'm getting a lot of good support, then I'm going to enjoy that more. And I think there is a good connection with the away following, at least um, from from the games that I've observed, anyway. Um, but I, I think it like it is just kind of this is what football discourse is like in like the modern age now. Like if you go on TV, like I was watching a clip before this of Jamie Carragher and Roy Keane having a big argument on Sky Sports about like why United would buy Ronaldo. And it's like the Roy Keenification of sort of football discourse where nothing can be good unless you're winning everything. Um, like that, there seems to be like a really joyless element um, of like, not of Swindon Town Football Club in general, but like football support in general, like on in all levels and like, you know, across different countries that like don't seem to be able to accept that you don't win every game and you're not, steamrolling everyone and that there are two teams in every game that play off and have their own strengths and weaknesses uh, it, it really does my wicking because like yeah we're not we're not making them any better and like to, to Dan's point like yeah last season I would have been um, probably sort of a lot more negative in the ground um, than I was I don't think we have to like happy clap or anything but but the point is sorry to butt in that negativity had a purpose Exactly. It was yeah. to get it was to get a message across to, you know, a hapless owner. It was to you know to, would have been to try and get John Sheridan out of the the manager's seat. Um, it would have been to have a pop at a few players who were just absolutely coasting along, knowing they're going to leave the club at the end of the season. So, yeah, it's got to have a purpose. And and now we're in happier times, and you've got this great bunch of guys. Just get behind them, please. So. You know, and I agree with that point, but like there is a a minor purpose with some of the grievances that fans are showing, and that's clearly that they don't rate Ben Gladwin and they don't rate Tyree Simpson. 
And although we're winning, that, that's clear. You know, I've been only to a handful of games of which Swindon have won all of those. And the noise that I hear when I'm in with the Swindon fans is anti-Gladwin and anti-Tyrese, never anyone else, you know, never. So, I mean, but, you know, at, at the same time, I don't I don't see a, a, a solid solution that's better than playing Gladwin and Tyrese. Yeah, I mean, I think the micro point in there as well, more than um, the criticism of certain players, is that there is an element of the fan base that don't like the style of football not being quite so direct and... Yeah. Um, being, you know, a little bit over elaborate at points, and there are there are points where we definitely need to stop being so over elaborate um, and just make the easy choice. Um, but um, I, I think I think everyone can understand that. Um, but it, it's when it's constant, and like obviously, we've employed a manager that plays a certain style of play. Um, he trains them to play a certain way in training every week. We're not going to deviate from that just because some of the fan base don't like that when they're watching it. And, it, and especially when it's getting us results. Obviously, if the fan base don't like it and we were bottom of the league, like, I don't know, scumful par at the moment, then there's more of a reason to change it. But if we're actually flying, you know, we're, we're third, but the actual form recently has been better than it was earlier in, earlier on in the season, then there is absolutely no reason to change it. Uh, and I'm not even saying that as someone that is a disciple of Ben Garner's football, because although I like a lot of the things that he does, there are things that he does with, I think we're a little bit more cautious than we need to be. And like I say, a little over elaborate, like the perfect way to play for me, if like think the way of the way of playing football that gets me the most excited is like the ultra high pressing teams. Um, like, you know, sort, sort of my favorite teams to watch that, isn't like one of my teams would have been like, you know, like Klopp's Dortmund or someone like that. Like it's so exciting all of the time. Not every team can play like that. We have our own way, but it just seems weird to me to ask this team that the squad's set up in a very specific way uh, to then ask them to play a completely different way just because we don't like it. Um, but and, and I mean, obviously among the fan base, I think you'll find more people that do like it than, than don't because we've had a history of playing nice football throughout much of, uh, the recent past and obviously Garner in his first interview was harking back to when we had Glenn Hoddle and stuff like that um, as like the way that he likes to see football being played so it, it you're never going to make everyone happy obviously uh, but yeah for me obviously there's so many different ways you can play football but this is the one that we that we are playing so there's no point trying to pretend we should be doing something else that was just Garner being a typical Spurs fan referencing Hoddle that's all it was <laughs> his, current it favor, was. his current favour <laughs> Oh, just thank goodness that the forecast at the start of the season that we were going to potentially struggle. Um, thank goodness that didn't or isn't happening at the moment. That's all I say. Yeah, you won't find me arguing with that. <laughs> okay, then. So we don't need to talk about halftime because all the feedback that I see is that for the sixty for the first sixty minutes, town were not very good, and then we got better. Dan, what was happening? And don't say the weather. <laughs> Always take the weather with you. I just did um, that joke and no one laughed. <laughs> oh, that's the... that's Okay, I get that now. Oh, okay. Go on, Dan. Sorry, Rich. It's your podcast. We'll laugh at your jokes more. Um, Thank you. So, pretty easy. Um, McCurdy came on for Gladwin. And I think that gave us a lot more menace. We got an actual forward closer to Simpson rather than a, a midfielder doing a job higher up the pitch um it wasn't all McCurdy Swindon did start playing 
playing better. Uh, I don't know if Harrogate tired or they slightly went a bit deeper psychologically. Um, yeah, what what followed was um, like a proper home siege with the odd counter-attack from Harrogate chucked in. So you had um, a chance for Kessler Hayden where he should have done much better on the right edge of the box. Um, that first goal's coming for him, definitely. He had the one-on-one, obviously, against Hartlepool, which he skied on his left foot. This was on his stronger right, and he just frustratingly dragged it. But not quite enough to make it a brilliant cross, if you know what I mean, for someone sliding in. Um, yeah, we had a couple of cracking Iandolo crosses from the left as well, which were just screaming out for Sam Parkin to come sliding in. <laughs> um, on, on Viewing it back, McCurdy was howled, actually, on one of those occasions, um, sort of led to him hitting the deck which you know I'm sure we'll come on to the referee but that was a that was another penalty which um certainly should have had um yeah what what would you put it down to Connor what what were you seeing is it as simple as McCurdy come on and Swindon got better it's weird isn't it I mean I I think we we kind of just finally clicked into gear like a lot of the players on the pitch just started playing better um I think it was probably more tactical I don't think McCurdy had a great game once he came on um, there was that one moment where he kind of danced for everyone and then couldn't quite get the shot away. Um, and he was in the, the right kind of positions. But I think it was just getting people closer because obviously Mitchell Lawson made an immediate impact when he was sort of playing high up on that that right. I think in that second half, we probably could have taken off the extra defender pretty much at half time and just really gone for it because... Um, I was about to say Hartlepool, Harrogate were never going to really go for us in the second half because, like, like you said, in the first half, uh, we were going to have the wind. Um, so we, we probably could have gone for it slightly earlier than we did. It probably made sense to kind of get to the hour mark and then really, really go for it. But I, I think at that point, we just we just kind of changed. Um, like, yeah, maybe we, we, we sort of just, it just kind of started to begin to click a little bit more and we managed to play out. I think they probably did tire as well. Um, and then if we do, I guess, come on to the referee, like they were just like then beginning to kick lumps out of us, which was giving us set pieces, which like does give you a bit of a foothold into the game. Like there are a number of uh, points where, you know, you start, like, in, in, I, I have a, a, a big joke that whenever we get a set piece, I turn around to the people I'm with and say, oh, we're going to score at uh, goal time. Uh, and I didn't do it until the hour mark. <laughs> Um, and then we started getting, we started doing uh, corners and, and free kicks from the hour mark, and I managed to get about f- five or six attempts at goal time in. Um, yeah. Didn't didn't trust myself to say at the penalty uh, because you don't want to jinx things. But yeah, no, it, mm. it, it there were a number of things that just started to go right, and uh, it it was more enjoyable. Um, but yeah, towards the end of the game, I was I was getting more and more <laughs> angry at the officials. Can we have a special shout out for the Harrogate left back? who I think picked up five yellow cards in that second <laughs> half alone uh, and should have a one-match ban for five yellows. Um, one huge tackle on Kessler Hayden, mm. which, I mean, really lucky boy that he got the ball because he absolutely cleaned up Kessler Hayden in the, the sort of follow-through. He gave away the penalty. Um, four or five other cynical drag downs of Kessler Hayden on that Arkle side of the pitch. It was immensely frustrating, really. He shouldn't have been on the pitch, but 
another confusing angle of of this referee, really. So yeah, like the captain Falkingham like was nipping around and and just getting so many fouls. Like as a totting up process again, could have been four or five yellow cards. Uh, I mean, he's a very good player for the level, but he is he should not have not have made it past the hour mark in that game. Short man syndrome. Sorry to any short listeners. <laughs> no, yappy he, little dog he was. <laughs> it was Lewis Page was the uh, was the other player who you know you know when he's 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 destined for a red when he's taken off as soon as like the mm. penalty was given, wasn't he? But sort of did equalise. It was through Jack Payne, uh, a well placed penalty, and this is really where we talk about the referee, Alan Young. No, not that one. Um, <laughs> we we don't talk about referee performance that much even though like the listeners contributions can sometimes be um, heavy on the observations that officials are lousy we're going to talk about the bigger sort of picture in terms of how you can help an official once we finish the listeners contributions but this was really a a noticeable uh, game for criticism towards Alan Young, um, which is really interesting. I mean, he clearly got a lot of stuff wrong. He recently made the news because he forgot to play injury time in a game involving Leighton Orient. But I think the key thing here was, you know, the 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 lack of uh, punishment to Lewis Page, but also a few penalty calls that went uh, against Swindon and seemingly for Swindon, but once we got the different camera angles, it changed really the conversation because I thought in the one clip that I saw that the penalty was very, very soft, but you change the camera angles and suddenly it looks like it's a penalty. And again, the Iandolo one, which I think most people in the ground, certainly from closer to where it happened, were adamant it was a penalty, but maybe it's because... I think Iandolo has a little bit of a history of going down in those scenarios quite easily without contact that, you know, he's not got it this time round. That one was very late in the game. And I always think the referees are thinking about that as opposed to the laws of the game. I guess that's me rambling on to just, just, just to pitch up Connor to start with. <laughs> of what, what was your, what was your thoughts on, on the referee this weekend? What's preface this? We have we've discussed this many times throughout the season uh, so far uh, that I don't really like to go in too heavily on the referees because number one, it's a difficult job. Number two, usually it's happening like you're we're getting annoyed, but probably the Harrogate fans are getting annoyed at a certain certain point as well. Um, like he he wasn't refereeing well only in one direction. It, it, there were mistakes for both sides, uh, but number three, like ultimately if you keep doing the right thing more often than not then you don't need to consider the refereeing performance too much um but (laughs) in this case i think he let too much go too early on that he kind of left himself nowhere to go i think he lost control of the game like the the tackle from page on kesler hayden wouldn't have happened if he would have been giving some of those kind of decisions for less borderline (laughs) fouls um, in the in the first half and early on in the second half, but they knew that he wasn't giving yellow cards out um, uh, early on at least. Um, so you're kind of emboldened to go in for that kind of thing. With the the Mitchell Lawson one um, in the ground, it didn't look like a penalty from the the video that uh, I think Matt Edwards um, put up um, earlier today. Uh, you can see that he's been trod on his heel, and it, it 
it's a foul. Um, so I, to be fair to the ref, he did well to spot that because I wouldn't have given it if I was... No, um, nor me watching live. From, it looked like he just slipped over. Um, but then, yeah, just just like there are a number of times where um, we seem to get fouled and then it wasn't given. The Iandolo one for me like seems so obvious. Uh, and even if he has a reputation, which I, I don't know if Iandolo maybe does have the reputation among referees. I don't know what, what they would discuss. But I think what potentially we do have is as a team, a bit of a reputation for being a bit uh, bit cynical in those kind of situations. We've got Kesler Hayden, who does dive a lot. He's really bad for it. Um, he, di- he dived in the first half to try and get a penalty. Did it last week against Newport as well. Um, and that's by no means the only examples that we've got. Um, McCurdy is always looking for contact and to go down. Um, Mitchell Lawson has done it a couple of times and, and not got the rub of the green in terms of the decisions. Uh, when he's been on so far this season in the the brief cameos, um, like I, I think, like even Payne and Williams, like they, they can be kind of looking for contact and to go down, even if they are a little bit sort of hardier than than the, the players I mentioned so far. So if you, if as a totting up, we go down quite a lot, and you're not going to get all of those decisions. That said, I think the Iandolo one, you can not give it, uh, but. To give him the yellow card for simulation is pretty indefensible, um, and and that's I think that's why everyone was so outraged. At least for me, like sometimes a referee will not give a penalty because they they personally don't think it is, and I might have a different opinion. But to to say he dived, I mean it's uh, it's it's pretty bad. I, I mean you can see the contact. Is it one of those situations though where if he's not seen the contact, he's got to over just give the penalty because there's contact or he's assuming that he's dived so therefore he's got to give the yellow but yeah i mean maybe but i think quite often uh like i don't know maybe i've given myself nowhere to go here but i I think quite often they might not give the penalty because they don't think there's enough contact or maybe they just think they've slipped or something but it didn't it didn't look like a dive whereas the, the mitchell lawson one even though we can now see that there was contact still looks like a dive to me like the way he goes down is not like a completely natural reaction so it's difficult I mean I think in the end the right result was we ended up getting the right result it, it, it was a one-all game or truth to truth told and it was a good point for us because I think I think Hartlepool not Hartlepool I think Harrogate are a good team uh, but yeah I don't know I, I just think like you you give a yellow for simulation when it's egregious not because someone's gone down um, and it, you don't think it's a foul. Like I think that there, there is like a, a, a line above what Iandolo did that would be considered simulation, even if you don't think what what happened there was a foul. Done a nice job there, Connor. Yeah. Uh, well, with the benefit of the camera angle, he's got he's got the Mitchell Lawson one right, albeit I'm sure the Harrogate fans will still argue to have touched soft. Um, the BBC York commentators, I think, described it as the, the worst they'd ever seen or something like that. Um, this is good eyes from the back of the Arkell stand. Um, the Iron Delo one, yeah, I mean, indefensible. Like, it's a foul. It, I'm a bit wrangled between whether it was a free kick or a penalty. Um, I, if you look at where the first contact is, I know it obviously carries on into the box, and the ref probably looking at where Iron Delo ended up, um, sort of nearer the six yard box by the time he'd foul. Maybe the ref would have been swept along and 
get a penalty. But yeah, it, it actually looked uh, a free kick right on the edge of the box and probably would would have been a straight red. Um, so yeah, if we did have a League 2 VAR, I suspect you could have uh, seen a Harrogate player walking off, but Louis Reed trying to score a free kick in stoppage time from the edge of the box. Oh, yeah. Um, do, do you think, the, the from a referee's perspective, do you think the time that that happened comes into play? It's very dramatic, I know, and it shouldn't. But do you think that that comes into their, their, their thinking? Well, maybe. I mean, players and referees respond to pressure in different ways, right? You're going to have referees with good temperament and referees who, like a lot of local cricket umpires, you can influence. Um, and you just know who those referees and umpires are, so you sort of play up to it, really. But, oh, just, yeah, it's just it's a shocker, really. It, uh, he's had a shocker. I, th- I think it's human nature to not want to make a really big decision in the first couple of minutes of the game and to not want to make a game-deciding decision right at the end. But... Obviously, by not making the game deciding decision, then you kind of decide the game in in a different way. But uh, not, I mean, like I said, I think the right result was reached in the end anyway. If we'd have won, it would have very much been like a sort of a snatched snatched victory from uh, the jaws of a draw kind of fight. Um, but I think the it, it it seems to be a bit of a weird a, a weird one. Like I say, referees can just be influenced by sort of players playing up to things. And potentially, if, if you're making referees make so many decisions uh, by going down easily uh, all the time and always like giving back chat when, oh, it was a corner when it's clearly like not touched anyone or, oh, no, that throw was the other way, that kind of thing, um, then it is going to be harder for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, there's not much of a decision to make there. <laughs> it's a bit frustrating, isn't it? Referee takes his time. Up comes Payne. Great penalty and Swindon a level. He hit it low and hard right into the left-hand corner as the goalkeeper looked and it's 1-1. Okay, it's time to do listeners' contributions. Big thanks to those who sent stuff in this week. Lots of grumpy people, especially towards the officials. We'll start with Paul Temple. He says, took a long time to work out the man-to-man press, but it took a debatable one given and a clear one not given to end up a draw. Good rally at the end with McCurdy and Payne, unbelievably close. Man of the match, Dion the skipper, standing firm in our shaky defence. Onwards, seven points in seven days. LRT says, back three need to learn how to win headers. Tired of watching them run towards our goal after letting it bounce. Payne, man of the match, we need to move the ball quicker. Not necessarily forward, just quicker. Gladwin slowed us down and had a poor game. McCurdy and JML gave us a quicker transition. Jeremy Randall says, Town not at their best, particularly in the first half when they struggled with the conditions. Second half better, and I agree with Ben Garner that had the game lasted another five minutes, we'd have won. How the referee thought Iandolo dived, I have no idea clear penalty. Payne showed great composure after the long delay to take the penalty. Kessler Hayden also played well. My man of the match was Tyree Simpson. Another tireless performance, improving game by game, creating openings for others. 
Craig Clark says, not great, not at the races for an hour. Lucky to come away with a point. Man of the match, Reed, constant endeavour. Ben Nichols simply says, on paper, okay point. Ref was awful. John Church says, annoying we aren't playing well at home, but Harrogate have been great away from home and also a playoff team, so we'll take it. Red Dave, McCurdy should never be left out of the starting eleven. Akinoda Mayo is an unsung hero in that defence, always getting us out of trouble. Man of the match, though, has to go to pain. David James Bond says, P-poor performance to match a P-poor ref who gave a pen that never was to make up for a Stonewall penalty he didn't give, to then not give a Stonewall penalty to make up for the pen that never was. Oof. Dan Jackson says, I'll take a point. Road I look at times. Williams, man of the match. Swindon Sparkle. <laughs> Officials equals diabolical. Man of the match equals Williams. Philip Holloway gives man of the match to Williams. Head and shoulders the best player on the pitch. And I fear we do not know how to use him best. Yes, we were lacklustre at times, but I can't help but thinking that was two points dropped based on how we finished the match. Paul Merriman. I just don't know where to start. First 60 minutes, they did a total job on us. A draw was looking like a fair outcome. Last 30 minutes, we should have won it. The referee was awful. Some terrible decisions rounded off by booking Iandolo for what should have been a penalty. Man of the match? Pain. Paul D says Ghana has been criticised in some quarters for leaving subs too late or like-for-like subs that have little impact. The changes he made today changed the game, so deserves credit for that as much as he can take some flack for the setup we started with not working. Ref wasn't very good. Ryan Clifford says Ghana hindered us for 60 minutes with a formation that has now failed twice. Last 30 was much better. Mr. Jason says they were the better side. They should have been two or three goals up by half time. We looked confused with their man marking and it stumped us. We needed to change tactics sooner. Simpson should have dropped deeper to allow a midfielder to gain some time. Negative passing from us throughout. Jimmy Legg says, my historically bad hot takes inbound. Here they come. How Harrogate ended up with more than nine players on the pitch is a mystery. One player should have got four yellow cards. Ankle breaker on our Kess was a red. JML penalty looked soft, but the two not given were ridiculous. First half was bulls. Harrogate had done their homework, marked us out the game. Second half was much brighter. Their game management was shameful. Ref lost control early on. We suffered as a result. Frustrating day. Payne man of the match. JML looked handy when he came on. Hopefully a run out on Tuesday will do him good. H the Duck also gives man of the match to Payne. Refers to the ref as the W of the match. Let you work that out. Needed to have Harry on from the start. JML looked very promising on his short time today. Neil Evans says, crap ref. A few well below par. Iandolo, Gladwin, Odomeo, Wallacott, Harrogate. Impressive and robust. The 29 up front was a nuisance. Williams class again. Needed more shots in the second half. A fair result. S. Parker says, We weren't very good, but at least we didn't give up. We simply cannot play Payne, Johnny Esther, and Gladys together. Wallacott looked terrified every time the ball went near him. Ref ignored two blatant penalties and gave a dodgy one. Better second half, and it was Baltic. Man of the match? Payne. Matt says, Poor first half. Why change formation again to fit Gladwin and Williams in? Didn't work and reverted back to a 3-5-2 as soon as they scored with Williams up front. 
Better second half with the changes and could have snatched it. Very poor. Ref didn't. Man of the match, Williams. Rich Parker says, now obvious pain Gladwin and Williams do not work. Battled hard to get a point. The less said about the ref, the better. Too late, Rich. Payne, man of the match, as he was the only one who looked like he can make anything happen. Tom Elliott says, Harrogate's tactics were very well executed. Forcing Jojo to kick it long nullified any attacking threat as Simpson rarely competes for headers. Reed had a rare day off, but McCurdy and JML changed the game. Town would had won if the referee was competent. Man of the match, Payne. Next up, Neil McLaughlin, who also gives man of the match to Payne. Just over Mayo, a frustrating afternoon. Finally thawing out at home now. Good to hear, Neil. Liam says, not sure why we changed to that formation again. As soon as it was changed, it was much better. McCurdy making the big difference. He'd also like to see JML and McCurdy up top together. Think they would cause havoc. Pain man of the match, as most good, came through him. And in second place was Harry McCurdy. Pete says, pain man of the match. The referee was a joke. Pay should have been sent off. Iandolo was robbed of a penalty. Harrogate didn't give the ball back after Iandolo was injured. Hope someone like Power buys them. Oh, blimey. Whatever Mildenhall said for his booking, he was entirely correct. Bernie Man says, a draw, a fair result, but with a decent ref, we win that game and they would not have finished with 11 players. The ref must surely share DNA with Diamond and how was that not a pen on Ellis? The win played a big part, granted, but we weren't at our best. Williams, man of the match, the ref a close second. Steve Garten says, truly shocking first half where we seemed devoid of ideas. Kess and Tyrese had mixed games with some class moments mixed with some basic errors. Gladwin off the pace and little magic from Williams and Reed. Man of the match was Payne, who stood out along with Harry when he came on. Seven points from the last nine. I can live with that. And finally, Leap, saying we create a fair amount of opportunities every game, but we lack a finisher around the six-yard box. Simpson has his strengths, but is too static and is still learning how to read the play in those areas. I really hope Ben Garner goes January shopping. Also, do we need VAR in all four divisions? At least a stripped-down version to allow a review opportunity for the major decisions in the lower leagues. So many penalty questions and off-the-ball incidents in these games right so thank you to everyone that sent me stuff question there by leap at the end is talking about should there be some kind of variant of var across the efl so in the top four divisions it doesn't have to be the all singing all dancing what you see in the premier league but for some of those calls this weekend it wouldn't have taken that long for a referee to have their mind swayed so, so what do you think, Dan? Do you think there should be some way the Football Association, the EFL, should try and implement some kind of VAR? Should it, should it be in its purest form still down in the basement? Easy answer, this one. No. I want, I want VAR as far away from the game I'm at as possible. I hate it. And that, <laughs> that, and that does mean you've got to take a few rough decisions. And as much as we're sat here saying it's, a, it's an awful decision, that's just... That's just how it goes, and that's the way it's always been since I started watching. And I watch the way that VAR is used, and the length of time, and the passion killer. 
you know, not really being able to celebrate a goal, I would hate that. So I, I'm quite happy as we are. I think the bigger issue is perhaps, you know, the professionalism and the training that the referees receive in the 10 years previous, um, which, you know, if done better, if there was more money put into that side of it, then maybe you'd get a better batch of referees. But unfortunately, we're in the fourth tier and we've got the fourth best batch of referees available and you're going to get you're going to get some stinkers and you just got to live with it I fully agree with Dan and um, I was I mean before VAR was a thing in football I was like really pro uh video technology um like there are a lot of decisions that you think if you can take one look at that um, it wouldn't delay things too much and it would be worth it to make the right decision um, but like the mission creep of VAR at the top levels has made a lot of games really annoying to watch. Like the the problem that I have with VAR is that it makes my experience of watching like the the football at the top level like worse than before it existed, uh, and I wouldn't want that, Swindon, uh, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I was wrong on that one when I wanted VAR. What I would like to see um, is like I think it was mentioned right at the start of the pod uh, would be some kind of like goal line technology. Um, yeah, that one I black and white. Like that should just be paid for by the the football association for every professional club to have at their ground because it just makes the game more fair. If you were, if we're going to be operating off of factual information the ball was in rather than um, in some cases where the, the ref has to kind of interpret um, things from like not all of the facts and because they can't see what's happened and potentially what I'd like to see a little bit more is. Um, the linesman, uh, well, the assistant referee, sorry, and the fourth official maybe in a little bit more um, evolved, involved in that kind of decision-making because you would like to think that if there's four people looking at something um, and the referee happens to be wrong, then um, the other people might be able to set him right. I, I'm sure that like of the four officials, one of them must have been able to see that the referee was wrong, but obviously the referee's word goes uh, in that case. Um, and I think what... Um, Dan um, said um, regarding kind of increased professionalism uh, would be a good thing. I mean, I think generally at, at the top level, my problems are now not so much with the refereeing itself, but with like the fact that they don't have to second guess all of their decisions and end up at outcomes that none of us really are interested in, um, in terms of these like stupid offsides with VAR and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, what some of the things I don't like are just like obviously it being in League Two, we get the referees that are being punished for um, making mistakes um, in the higher levels some weeks, uh, and obviously you're going to have the fresher refs. And I think that the, I don't know um, this Alan Young guy, but um, obviously I, I guess he's probably not been a football league referee for for that long. So hopefully, like as he gets a bit more experience of doing it, he gets better. But um, it's the sort of thing, it's never going to be perfect, but it does seem that we have to discuss <laughs> these refs every week. And maybe we can do our bit in terms of when they're genuinely could be a discussion, but it's maybe not affected the game that much um, by just not talking about it. And I think we tried to do that. Um, but then there are some 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 games where it is just the talking point uh, like this one. Um, and yeah, maybe we just need to kind of try and take um, as much of the emotion out of it as possible, because really... Like we still could have won that game even with the referee making a mistake on Iandolo. The thing that really confused me at the end of the game was um, 
like their, their keeper claiming a cross right on the line. And because the referee blew, I thought it had gone in. Um, so I thought we'd scored right at the end. And then obviously we, it, it hadn't really gone that near the goal. Um, but yeah, that, it was a really confusing end to the game as well, which just left me feeling very weird. Uh, can the referee blow in a slightly less oh, spinning and just scored way? Was that the moment Andrew Hawes fell for as well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was. Critchlow was very, very close to getting a toe on that. The cross had a weird trajectory and sort of the keeper, for whatever reason, sort of had the confidence to let it bounce and then collected it in his midriff. Whereas, yeah, I think if he had his time again, he would be coming out to smother that low. It was weird. It was a weird little second of football that. Is, is the referee's whistle as, as he caught the ball as well? I was like, wow, has that gone in? But, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, Alan Young, sort it out, my friend. <laughs> Third season in the EFL, Connor, um, and he's oh one behind closed doors. He, he oh, come on. I don't, I don't look at these. I, I'm not actually interested in the referees. So I don't look at, don't look at them that much. Hey, it gives you some content, though, Rich. How long have we eaten up today talking about refs? Oh, so much time that we, we've got to rush through the end bit because people are thinking, what on earth is there more to say? Well, the, the last thing to say is man of the match, uh, really. So it was quite clear that Jack Payne got the listener's nod. Dan, who gets your man of the match? Hmm. I would say that's fair enough, actually. Payne, um did as much as anyone to try and get something good happening in the first half. Took his penalty very nicely. Was very nearly the match winner. Teed up by McCurdy. Had two shots blocked, one by the defender on the line and one by the keeper. That would oh, it would have been such a lovely goal celebration at the end. Harrogate really did my head in with that um, encroachment uh, in, of the penalty area, trying to say to the ref that the ball wasn't on the spot. Um, that was enough for me to really, really, really want to beat them after that. <laughs> There's nothing worse. And this is going to sound pompous and elitist or whatever. And I don't care because it's how I feel. But I hate it. Hate it when Swindon lose at the county ground with a small way end. Well, a small way following. 41 fans, which, you know, good for them. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. But it's nothing worse than seeing that sort of small pocket of fans from some miles away celebrating against you. It's just like, oh, come on. Hartlepool used to do it all the time. Take a small following and beat us or get a little, eh. But yeah, okay. So we'll move on. That was a little uh, moment for me. Um, Connor, would you agree, Jack Payne? Yeah, I'm not going to argue with um, either the listeners nor Dan on that one. I fully agree. The only other player I'd probably shout out, um, who I think was pretty good um, over the 90, would be um, Odomeo. Um, mm, I think he yeah, was—he sort of didn't have any of the kind of shaky moments that we saw on on Tuesday against Hartlepool. Um, very, very solid down that side. Like a lot of the a lot of the danger was coming down our right. Uh, so the, the side that he wasn't on, um, partly I think that's because Jack Diamond's one of their best players, and he was on that side. But um, it was coming down that that channel between Hunt and Kessler Hayden. Um, Odomeo locked it down um, on on his side with Vandalo, um mostly anyway. Um, and um, yeah, like towards the end, he was kind of sort of getting um, up in support as well, which was was good to see. So yeah, a, a little little mention for him, but definitely Jack Payne for me. Lovely. Well, that's pretty much it. Next two games are cup games. Tuesday night we host Colchester in the Papa John's, and then on Saturday we travel to Walsall in the FA 
Cup before going back to EFLE2 um, a week on Tuesday when we travel to Leighton Orient. Dan, are you up for the Cup? I'm not at Warsaw, but I am at the Tuesday night against Colchester and the Tuesday night at Orient. Lovely. Connor, are you up for the Cup? Uh, I Yeah, as long as, as long as there's a Cup at the end of it. Then, uh, then I'm excited. I'm uh, yeah, looking forward to these games. I think it, I think it could be good to get a little bit more momentum um, um, in uh, competitions. That if we do lose the games, then it's not going to sort of spoil the vibe in terms of our league form. And I really want to get to that third round of the, the FA Cup and get a big day out because that would do us all a world of good. I think it's a decent yardstick for a lower league side if you can still be in a cup competition. Uh, in the new year, you're doing something right. So yeah, let's make sure we are. Well, here is hoping, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Try the box to Good run by him, and now match goal. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. At the very least here, Payne is calm and giving it to Ademayo. Ademayo looks up, there's always the outlet of... Broadbent on the diagonal, Broadbent heads the ball into the box, the goalkeeper, Eastwood comes out, it's yes! going to go in! Yes! Tyler Smith with the faintest of touches has put yes! Swindon ahead of the derby, deep in stoppage time, he runs to the corner flag. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.